A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dadly Boys, Michael Hamflet from What Culture, to review everything that happened on last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review Raw, but also SmackDown, NXT, but oh, oh AW Dynamite, AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet Sidgwick, still enjoying some well-earned time off. We are here, Hamlet, to talk about... Monday Night Raw! And it's changing, isn't it? Well, it certainly is. Um... Last week's Raw, I think, was... I think a lot of people went in with the expectations that everything... The rug was going to be pulled out from underneath yeah. the whole show. Um, and we talked about it in, in, across various podcasts that ultimately the changes Triple H were going to eventually try and make, would a lot of them would be subtle. A lot of them would be behind-the-scenes stuff as he gradually works his the position. It was unknown, and it'll remain unknown probably forever if basically Vince Man's just a shadow operative regardless. And he's like, maybe Michael Cole doesn't have a headset connected to Triple H, but for all we know, Triple H has got one connected to Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. so, like something along those lines, you know, like maybe what like what we think and what we might perceive might not be the case. And yet, much in the same way that um, when Paul Heyman came in and there was a lot for the worse, truthfully, but some for the better and some things that you could definitely tie to the... All the bookers have got the quirks and the tricks and the traits... And there were certain things at the time when Paul Heyman came in that you could see were the things that he liked to do. Mm -hmm. This was absolutely a raw with a load of things Triple H liked to do. Like, I like this episode a lot, and I loved some of the specific choices that we'll get into as we go along here. But I think what's going to happen over the next few months is that almost every single change is going to be observed through this prism of, is that Triple H move or not? Mm-hmm. I think that's impossible not to for a lot. Anybody that knows the reality of what's going on, I think a lot of WWE's very casual audience, of which we know there to be absolutely tons, might just think, oh, well, I did or I didn't like the person that was on TV this week. They're not going to see this as a big stylistic no. shift. But for those that maybe know what they're looking for, you're going to see things. Of course you are. But this was basically 2018 NXT black and red. <laughs> and I say that like for better and for worse. Yeah. There would be people that, like, and your mileage is going to vary on these roles depending on that. You know, they, like, those takeovers from that era were of a god tier at point, but the NXT ratings were never amazing when they were published, when it was a network-exclusive show. And NXT as a TV show wasn't necessarily f- for everybody, mm-hmm. but it had it had a fantastic women's division. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa always did well. <laughs> and the match quality, by and large, was good to very good with occasional flashes of great. And... 
most importantly, and we're going to get to that loads throughout here, basics, basics, fundamentals. Even when you can't... Great fundamentals. Great fundamentals. Even when you can't be electrifying, be solid. And I know that that's a bit boring, but I've tweeted about this this morning. Triple H has the lowest bar for any mainstream major (laughs) wrestling show in history to step over here. Like... People were excited at Jimmy Smith and Michael Cole over the weekend saying fans. That's the standard that Triple H has mm-hmm. to hit, right? So already people were like, this was probably the best roar of the year. And all it did was get several of several basics right. And yes, that might sound like when yesterday we're coming on a podcast and I'm saying our oh, rampage feels inessential. Like it's because they're they're on completely different wavelengths. Mm. The standards are completely different. AW made its modus operandi very early. Like, Cedric referenced the Simpsons gag, don't do what Donny WWE does. Mm-hmm. That was, like, AW's simplest core principle. And weirdly, weirdly, Triple H has led with one of his of, well, spot what AW aren't doing and do loads and loads of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not suggesting that's one of the reasons why he's focused so much on what we're going to talk about a lot on this episode of Raw, but he just knows what he likes and lots of that was evidence throughout this particular Raw. Lots yeah. of it. A lot of wrestling on this Monday Night Raw. Like a lot of it. <laughs> a, a real lot of it. And we're sometimes... This might sound weird, especially if you've only listened to this podcast for the first time, because this was a Raw that actually generated conversation. Mm-hmm. So maybe you found us, and welcome, if you're brand new. But like regular listeners will know, we are sometimes critical of good wrestling. Mm-hmm. And that isn't meant to sound as bad faith as it might do verbally as it would written down. Capital G, capital W, good wrestling. There is loads of good wrestling. It's almost like we're the, we're the reality of the spoiled wrestling fan. What have you done for me lately? Mm-hmm. Like, I need great wrestling. If AEW are going to give us four stars a week guaranteed on a dynamite, like what can you really do for me? I don't think there was a single match on this Raw that was to the standard of like the weekly dynamite ripper. And yet, loads of it was so good packaged in this very focused and carefully plotted Raw that I was glad to see it. Mm. I wasn't bored by it. This wasn't late era black and gold NXT in like the in the CWC or the yeah. MT um, full sale where you're just like, oh, God, I don't care. I do not care. This is not what I want anymore. Main roster WWE desperately needs consistent quality. For some people, it'll take years. Yeah. You need 52 weeks of this Raw for five years to be convinced that Vincent Mann is definitely gone and change can actually happen. But it felt refreshing this week, mm. genuinely so. Yeah, exactly. And we'll talk about Champer in due course, but I also want to mention, uh, just so great to see, like you say, the prominence of women's wrestling on this show, the the through line of a story with them, them explaining why these three women have come together. Mm. And yeah, for a show that had several DQs, I was kind of okay with all that. I mean, you know, like you say, it's it's slow change within WWE. I don't think anyone anticipates that we're going to get no countouts and no DQs. Some did, I think. Some did. You're insane if you think that. That's, you know, indelibly burned into WWE. It's going to take a long time to get rid of that. Think Mm -hmm. of it of getting rid of a tattoo. You have to go for several, (laughs) several sessions before you can... You know, really notice that that's starting to fade away a little bit now. You know, my dad had like a lot of eighties and seventies social club, like working men's club tattoos. Loads, really, loads of them, right? So, like, 
or like sort of below elbow to hand, which as a result, he like discouraged me from getting them with that old mindset of, well, you're not going to get a job if you've got yeah. DNA, which is not really the case anymore, but that was his view. And he got the one, he had swallows on his hands, which was really common from yeah. that era. He had them removed, but this was either, it was either pre-laser surgery's prominence or it just, he couldn't get it on the NHS and we didn't <laughs> have the money. So what, do you know what they did? Oh no. I know, I know, right? So they had to go in for various sessions and they like, cut the skin where the tattoo was and then stretch the remaining hand skin over the top of it. Uh, I, and I see his hand sometime and I'm like, yeah, that's like a bit flat and smooth. Oh my God, that's why I forgot. Like there's like frigging Dusty Rhodes head or yeah. something on my dad's hands in the place where Swallows used to be. Well, that sounds like watching old episodes of Raw used to feel like. Let's, <laughs> let's see how this week's works out because the show opened with the man. She's back, Becky Lynch. Uh, but she's uh, her arm is in a sling. She's uh, separated her shoulder at the premium live event over the weekend. We all saw that, Ugh, that image. Mm-hmm. That's not meant to look like that sort of a shape. No. Uh, and they showed the video package of everything with, with the match at SummerSlam with Bianca and, of course, the, the post-match angle. Uh, she talked about hitting rock bottom and not knowing who she was without the championship. But at SummerSlam, she finally remembered who the hell she was. It wasn't in the fancy clothes. It was in the relentlessness and the pursuit to be better today than she was yesterday. Look, she said she could have given up at SummerSlam when she separated her shoulder she got it out through a very painful 20 minutes, the most painful <laughs> 20 minutes of her career. Um, she didn't just do it for herself. She wanted to create the greatest women's division they ever had. And if that Sasha and Naomi, Naomi rumor is true, then pretty much, <laughs> yep, pretty much have it. Um, all the women she was doing it for who worked their asses off every week. Um, when she lost, she knew she'd given her best. It just wasn't good enough. She wasn't defined by one match or by the title. She defined the match. She defined the title. And she wasn't defined by the man. She defined the man. Huge baby for that. Uh, she planned on starting the greatest comeback ever. But she also wanted to thank someone for making her the B-E-S-T that she could be. And she called out Bianca Belair. Um, and Belair was, was, was very nice towards her as well. She said, you don't just define the man. You are the man. And uh, Lynch told her, hold it down, B. I'll see you soon. And Lynch left. And it was all very ominous. And you thought, no, don't walk back there on your own. There's, there's three women coming for you. I can t- see where this is going. Um, Belair cut a promo about Lynch, saying she's got nothing but respect for her. You know, she hasn't forgotten the underhanded things that she did. But she didn't want to be handed anything. Lynch made her work for it. She shook her hand at SummerSlam. They had mutual respect. And it meant something to have respect from Lynch. Belair's ready for her next challenger, whether that was Bailey or her new friends. And of course, that means that they cut to the back where Bailey and her new friends, Dakota Kai and Io Sky, are attacking Becky Lynch, targeting her arm, targeting her shoulder with that steel chair. And by the time Belair sprints to the back, these three gits are nowhere to be seen. What do you make of this opening? Brilliant. Well, absolutely f***ing brilliant. <laughs> like, just. It's like the, the checklist straight away of the things you want, ideally. Like, ultimately, it's WWE Raw. You kind of said it at the start, right? The, we're a long way away from sort of getting rid of show opening promos full stop and the welcome to Monday Night Raw and the, and the game show host adjacent rule mm-hmm. of being a top star in WWE. That might never change, in fact. But in terms of how you fold those tropes into pro wrestling... 
there was no better version than this. Mm. So Becky Lynch cuts, like a very good promo on its own terms, right? It really stands up for itself. It's refreshing to see her talking like this. She doesn't come out in the ostentatious, crazy clothes. Like, and that's a choice. Clearly, that's a choice. Like, she comes out in, like, something that's basically a hybrid of when she was just the man and in, like, the leather. Ver- and they were, like, they were the shiny leather pants. So you yeah. can see it's all a phase. It's a phasing down and an ultimate phasing out of one character and back into the other one that people beloved. It feels real. Right, so like it com- feels completely organic that, in fact, as she appeared on the SummerSlam stage in all the crazy gear and his big time becks, it wasn't. It's still who I am. It's this is kind of my last roll of the dice, yes. and we got to. I said this on the SummerSlam thing. I will maintain forever that the saga of Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair started as a lie, as a complete fabrication. But they absolutely earned and made one by the end. They created one, and when you do that. You get a promo like this that gets to tie a bow on it because how often in wrestling, no, not wrestling, in WWE do things actually get to be conclusive? Yeah. This was conclusive. The feud has happened. Matches have happened. The winner and loser have been decided. Results, finishes, game over. Bel Air looks bigger as a result of this as well. Massively still. Because because a huge star has profoundly put her over, over and over again, physically and verbally. Like, that's the way that all of this is always supposed to work. Best version of the basics. So the promo was excellent. You get this, and then, of course, you get the tease of the return of the man. So you're given something on the way out of Becky Lynch. This injury is the best possible thing that could have happened. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know how worked it is, and I'm assuming not that much, but in terms of, like, a timeline for recovery or whatever, I don't know any of the details about that. But, frankly, it doesn't matter. Close the rumble betting now. Well, you've got, like, two injured wrestlers that are potentially going to return and win them both, haven't you? But, like, this couldn't be better. She leaves... Closing the door on the Bianca Belair story, indeed on the big time Bex character, you get to miss her for a little bit, but you don't just get to miss her, you get to look forward to the pop of the return of the babyface as well at the same time, not least when heels now get to run roughshod over Raw with presumably what would have been one of their biggest like rivals and one of Raw's biggest defenders gone mm-hmm. and out of the picture, which of course opens the door for the people it would later open the door for on the, later on in this episode. The beatdown was predictable. Bianca Belair kind of didn't look stupid for being drawn away because she was called out to the ring by Becky Lynch and then told to take the stage. Yeah. Becky Lynch didn't say, right, we're cool, let's go backstage together because there might be a threat. She was like, "Like this is your moment. This is what you're supposed to do. You've yeah. got the belt and you're like, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Here you go. So even that was thought about enough. This is why like the NXT comparisons were like there from the off. You just have to think about everything making just enough sense for pro wrestling to function and to work, and all of this did. And right out the gate, in the opening segment of the night, you've established this new character for Becky, you've re-established Bianca Belair as the boss of this whole show, and Bailey's new group, not that anybody missed SummerSlam, but if you miss mm-hmm. SummerSlam, you know already what you need to know about this group, yes. because they're going to feature massively on the show. This was excellent. And then it was followed by this excellent video package, uh, putting over the legacy, ironically, of the United mm. States title. It was narrated by JBL, and it showcased a whole host of former United States champions, and, and you know, with that, the, the prestige that goes with it. Harley Race, Sergeant Slaughter, Rowdy Roddy Piper, Dusty Rhodes, Ric Flair, JBL, Scott Hall, Brett Hall, Brett Hall, <laughs> Brett Hall and Brett Hart, yeah. uh, John Cena, Ricky Steamboat, Booker T, Kofi Kingston, Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Edge, Miz, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, and of course, Bobby Lashley. This was like, for something so simple, mm. I've seen a big buzz. I told, I'm, I'm all about vibes this year. <laughs> and the vibes coming off of this show from a spot we're going to talk about in a minute, from results and from simple stuff like this, mm. just really just for me, showcase a change in the in the waters. Well, simple stuff is right, but what enhanced this video 
specifically this week, I think, is the optimism that comes with the, the new regime, I guess, Triple H taking over. The, they could have run a video like this once before. And they might, like, I remember them running one on the Intercontinental title when they were folding it up in the Kane and Triple H match, right? But uh, they could have run a video like this before. But within three weeks, there was every chance that, I don't know, somebody would stick some chewing gum on the US title. <laughs> or just something like, or it would, or Bobby Lashley, despite being US champion, would suddenly find his match interrupted by the 24-7 division. Yes. Whatever. And then whatever you've done for this video is immediately undermined because it's been a month. And uh, hang on, I thought like last month you were telling me this was basically like nearly as good as holding the universal title. And now it's like a fart in a round belt. That might happen. But there is no, there's absolutely no precedent for how Triple H is going to treat this. So for the, you, there's a lot of benefit of the doubt that you get to give him. If you, if you want to, some people might not, but like I think it's okay to at this point. The only um, thing you can draw comparison to is the North American title, the mid card title from NXT. Well, indeed, and my word, what and what? For, like for the longest time that was held in like almost as high esteem as the world title in NXT. So he's used a bit of history, and more importantly as well, like although it could get screwed up, it's it's WWE, and he's got to like hold like the, he's got to hold quite a tight grip on the reins. This is better than doing nothing. Yeah. And this is why I keep going back to the low bar. There are things that I want to shower with praise, like the Becky Lynch promo. There are things I'm going to be more cautious about. And I, I, I advise people to exhibit a bit of caution yeah. with, the, with this this optimism and stuff. And I, I do, because it'd be a shame to see it thrown away so quickly. But wrestling fans are patient and willing to give a lot for very little. And just being asked with a video package to care about the belt ahead of a series of really high-quality matches that elevated it later on in the show, like, they'll easily now go along for the ride of the match next week being, like, a Raw main event. I could go on last next week after yeah. one week of, like, raising the stakes and raising the drama. And especially because they announced these matches in advance, and you were like, cool, these are two matches I really want to see. Yeah, like, do we... We pretty much record the Raw preview as late as we can mm -hmm. um, on a Monday before we all leave work for the day, and we were probably just behind. Like... Three quarters of a card getting announced yesterday, yes. and it kind of, as a result, it undermined, it probably undermined the messaging of Triple H's first full Raw, where we're on here like sort of time to play the game, <laughs> like because we're needing to find like what do we do? Like a perfect example, right? Us having reviewed WWE shows weekly for four plus years now, need an opponent for Bobby Lashley in one of the like least interesting things coming out of SummerSlam. Let's be honest, yeah, like. Bobby Lashley needs an opponent. Like, what do we do as wrestling analysts, as people that, like, try and come up with fantasy booking, predict things, da, 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 da. No, we press a button and, like, you randomly scroll to video.com <laughs> because that's what we've been trained to do for years and years and years. And then we press submit and the podcast goes out and then Triple H, like, effectively books a mini tournament to mm -hmm. conclude next week with a, a major stakes title match. Like, there's a good example of the difference playing mm -hmm. out. If, if only this is, if only these are short-term things to try and get a lot of people on side, they're good right now. Uh, more fallout from SummerSlam. We got a video from Logan Paul on social media uh, saying he doesn't know when he's going to be back, but he loved it. You know, he, he wants to do this for a career. He's going to be back soon. He can't wait. And I believe, I think they mentioned Triple H is going to be on the Impulsive podcast as well. Yeah, that's, you know, noteworthy um, following this Raw and I guess following Triple I'll tell you what, 2003 Triple H would love how 2022 is going. Because you've got this massive... Brock Lesnar lifts a ring up, right? Bailey comes back. The women's division is exploding. You've got this raw... Who are people talking about? Triple H. <laughs> like, this is one of like, the smartest ones. That he, like, he had to beat, like, 20 guys every week to get this kind of conversation going. It was never positive. Like, he's, he's, he's won again. Mm -hmm. He's a cerebral assassin.
He's not quite Jeff Jarrett, but he's he's, he's, getting, he's there. getting there. Like the two of them are having conversations. <laughs> They're comparing notes backstage. <laughs> then we got the first of these uh, triple threat matches. The winner of both tri- the winners of the triple threat matches would then face each other later on in the night for the right to face last seat next week. Uh, it was uh, Mustafa Ali, someone we've campaigned to see more on uh, TV, of course, <laughs> against the Miz, against AJ Styles. And, you know, early on, it's, you know, by the numbers, sort of triple threat. I'll knock you out of the ring. We'll do two things, you know, two of us will do stuff together. But my word, did this hit a gear. Mm. Um, Ali hit a rolling neck breaker on Styles, who reversed DDT's Miz at the same time. That was great. Uh, Ali also hit this wild tornado DDT off the apron uh, to Styles uh, that looked like it was something out of a computer game or something. Uh, Ali's getting back in the ring following that. Miz catches him in the ropes, skull-crushing finale, but Miz's injured ribs because of the table mm-hmm. spot from the Logan Paul match. means oh, it takes his time to get into the cover, and that allows Ali to kick out. And in a spot that you've no doubt seen all over social media, if you even if you haven't watched Raw, the finish... Oh. Hang on. The finish. Oh, my God. (laughs) Ali 450 splashes Miz, but his momentum sends him into the arms of AJ Styles, who hits a Styles clash on Ali onto Miz for the 1-2-3. Huge pep. Phenomenal, ironically. Finish this. Fantastic. Off the back of a match that, as you say, like grew into something almost quite special, quite honestly, from from the early goings that seemed to be following Formula. This had the uh, the timing, the pacing, and the agenting of one of the most let the wrestlers wrestle matches I've seen in WWE for months, months and months. I would have to be going back to that um, that little cycle of tag matches mm. on Raw, like sort of pre WrestleMania, to think of a time when there was matches that were taking place that felt actually in the hands of the wrestlers themselves. This match had like. This match had character, like the wrestlers individually were performing as their characters would do to perform. You know, we've talked a lot and like AW have shown this over and over and over again. How this is absolutely still the way to do business. The old ways still make the most sense. One guy goes over, one guy gets over. In this case, two, because the Miz got to sell the ramifications of what happened to him at SummerSlam. And like, think when wrestlers will believe that the things that have happened to them are real, you will too. Yes. Like... I said this about Bailey coming back and targeting Bianca Belair. Like, she thinks this is real because it's supposed to be. Yeah. So we will as well. The Miz coming out with the Tate Ribs is thus selling the impact. Logan Paul has just appeared on camera saying, I'm going to have Triple H in my podcast. That could all feel a little bit fluffy and lightweight, but the guy that's competing for a belt is selling the impact of having to fight him. So tacitly, that gets Logan Paul mm-hmm. over as somebody that the next opponent should be worried about. Uh, really, really simple stuff. <laughs> next on the agenda is Mustafa Ali that has been told to, like... To me, at least, feels like, go out there and get yourself over, kid. Yeah. So the three of them work together, and it's like, well, what what are we doing for Ali this week? Because he's, he's getting beat. He's not winning, but he doesn't need the win. What he needs is, like, the reminder. You, it's WWE. You've just got to go out there and show people. You've got to go out there and do something that gets, get, like, gets gift or gets talked about. And you said it yourself. In this case, it was the finish. People can watch wrestling in a sophisticated way now to know that rather than this just being a spectacular move on its own terms, it's how everybody comes together to make it so. And people will watch this and be like, wow, amazing finish. Wow, really cool cooperation between AJ Styles and Ali. Mm-hmm. People will think better of Ali after the fact. Great, great, great. Um, Postman Pierce is checking on Lynch along with the trainer in the uh, the trainer's room. 
And then Sarah Schreiber goes and chats to Bailey and her new mates uh, for comment on, on their actions. And they say, this isn't about Becky Lynch. This is about us. And you'll find out more soon enough. Mm. I'm hooked. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, they go to leave. Uh, the Usos bump into them, give a little bit of a bit of a nod of acceptance right. of like, yeah, I can see what you're doing. Uh, and uh, Schreiber asks the Usos about defending their tag team titles against the Mysterios later. And they run through the fact that well, we're just going to do everything we've done again. Yeah. Roman beat Brock on Saturday. Again. We beat <laughs> the Street Profits. Again. Tonight's going to be no different. We're just going to win again, and we're going to beat the Mysterios again. I love these two. When Roman's not there, they really do represent the bloodline great, I think. I think, I, I, like, I, I'm probably not as high on them as you are, but I will say for the Usos and the bloodline in general, with... Like, with less lazy direction, these are beginning to feel like main event acts and good surrogates for Roman Reigns. Mm. As of, Like, I kind of wish Paul Heyman was with them all the time. I think that would be my one thing. Like, I, I think they would add something to that. It's like, mm-hmm. it's not about it's not about who's not there in Roman Reigns. It's about who is here, which is everybody else. But they, it's not the first time they've been in, like, a, a TV main event and expected to carry the load. And they did so here, like, later on, brilliantly. Then we got Seth Rollins <laughs> hosting a celebration because we don't have to see or hear from the original idiot. Got him. Riddle, which is good because that's sort of the power that Rollins has. Yeah. Uh, he said, and I did like the line, Riddle, you wanted to be so much like your best mate, Randy, that you just like him now. You're both on the fucking shelf. <laughs> um and then he hints about turning his attention to Roman Reigns and the world title, and this gets a great reaction mm-hmm. from the fans. Before he could continue, though, the Street Profits interrupt. Rollins doesn't want to share any time or any air time or any air space with a bunch of losers, the biggest losers in WWE. <laughs> How many times have you lost to the Usos now? He said, you, well, you might as well break up. I do like it sometimes when they acknowledge the thing that we're all yep. going, mm-mm, love it's, that. Yeah, it's out there. And uh, Angelo Dawkins says, do you know we beat you to become the tag team <laughs> champions? And Rollins is, uh, no, it was a different time, different time. Uh, and uh, Montez Ford reminds everyone, lovely line again, you lost to Cody Rhodes when he had one booby. <laughs> <laughs> Tickle me that. Um, and Rollins gets fired up, of course, threatens to stomp him, but then says, ah, no, I wouldn't fight you, obviously, because there's, there's two of you, there's only one of me. And Dawkins is like, well, that's fine. One of us will fight you then. You want to see us beat up Rollins tonight? Crowd love it. Uh, and they suggest a game, a game of rock, paper, scissors. They get a referee out there to judge it. But as they're about to do it, Montez Ford just grabs a ref and runs to the ring anyway, yeah. which is you know kind of what we wanted to see. And then we got Seth Rollins versus Montez Ford. Anything you want to say about the promo beforehand? I thought it was very slick in terms of getting to what they needed to do. Do you know what I really liked about this? Um, the acknowledgement of old wins and losses. Like, again, like pretend that the wrestlers have... Like, like, we know The Miz has got a really good handle on his CV, <laughs> yeah. but most of them are asked to forget what happened, like, in the last segment, let alone over the last couple of years of their career. And there's so much content that you're, they're almost encouraged to. You, you as a fan are encouraged to forget when people have overlapped. So I really appreciated that. And Monte, like, and obviously this would come up in the result and the follow-through. Montez Ford, like, bit of a dick move, like, to abandon. I, I know it's done in jest, but, like, Angelo Dawkins wanted the match and was ready to rock, paper, scissors for it. So, yeah, not cool, Montez, mm. not cool. 
but again, another case of getting over in defeat here. Uh, Montes Ford got a lot of the uh, lot of the shine for the majority of this match. Uh, high cross body from him, which always looks great. Uh, he hit a standing moonsault and a running blockbuster for several two counts. Uh, he also hit a tornado DDT, uh, which looked like he might have the match won, but Rollins got a rope break. Rollins fired back up, though, hit uh, Tez with a buckle bomb and a falcon arrow, which looked great for a near fall. Ford dodges a frog splash, goes for one of his own, but Rollins gets the knees up, and then as uh, Montez Ford is writhing around selling that, Rollins hits his curb stomp, one, two, three, sets up for another one, but thankfully Dawkins runs down to save his pal because he's a good friend, but... Yeah, hell of a showcase for the potential of Montez Ford as a solo star, I thought, here. Another great week, yeah, for Montez Ford as a, as a singles wrestler. And they are, hopefully, it would appear, managing the Street Profits breakup excellently. Mm. They're creating tension around who might turn on who. They're, like, things have gone off the rails. Like, it's a, it's a losing streak with a goal in mind. It's not just, you're not just beating guys every week for no reason. Like, as you said, when Seth Rollins acknowledges it out, out front, like, that's... Another character saying what we're all thinking. So this is how it's supposed to be playing out. Angelo Dawkins, a great friend, right, was there to stop the mm-hmm. to stop the beatdown after the fact. Didn't fancy going down to ringside after he got kind of screwed on the papers of stone thing, did he? So they're like again, like as with SummerSlam, you're starting to build things that Montez Ford can be a little bit irrationally pissed off with Angelo Dawkins <laughs> about. Yeah. Such as where were you last week? Well, you wanted the match so much. I just thought I'd wait back. Like, all these things create very believable tension between the two. So, and I, I think it's going to be Ford, but if and when one snaps and turns on the other, there's going to be all this justification and vindication. Mm. This is not just happening for the sake of it. It's going to mean something. It's going to matter when they do fall apart. And it's going to, it's sad to watch it happening. You hate and seeing these mates come apart, but it's like, that's the drama of it. That's and the emotion of it. A word on Rollins. We talk every week about how great Montez Ford is, whether he's in a tag match or a singles match. But Rollins saying, I want to go after the world title and having a statement victory like that just backs it up. Yeah, he's talking. So he's talking a big game, but for the bulk of this year, he's wrestled it too. So it doesn't feel fake at all. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people sing you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. 
Right, then we got a uh, video package for what happened with uh, Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam, which can't really do it justice, regardless <laughs> of what you did. But I did like the little plug for Reigns versus Drew McIntyre with all the dragons and the fire. <sighs> That's what Wales literally looks like all, for all any, the time. Uh, international listeners. And if you don't believe us, just ask uh, Wales resident Drew McIntyre. In his backyard. <laughs> That's it, in his uh, home uh, patch of land. <laughs> right, a mixed emotions about what came next because it was Alexa Bliss versus Asuka. Skip. Yeah, we, uh, we should explain this one because we were sort of hesitant to even have a skip on this show because we wanted to really analyse what it was. But it was a DQ, Yeah. but it was also a DQ that I'll allow it for where it went on this show. It didn't just have a DQ and they went, well, on to the next uh, match and we'll never see or hear from these women again. It was... For the first time ever, skip means more on this later. Yes, That's exactly. never meant that before. Right, well, enough of all that. It's now time for this. It's short, it's crap, it's wrestling related. The five-star review review. Nailed it! I'm not doing a noise. I, can't. <laughs> I refuse to do the noise. This week's five-star review review is brought to you by Jason Fratto. If you want to suggest something short crap and wrestling related, although this isn't crap, what we're about to talk about is very, <laughs> very good. Uh, you can do so by subscribing to What Cult Dressing on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review on there. Or if you'd rather, you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify. And then as Jason has done, Email me your review, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. Jason writes, Hello, Adam, and the man, the myth, the legend, Michael Hamflet. Oh, thanks, Jason. I used Spotify, so I gave you five stars, but I thought I'd email my five-star review review request. I've been listening to you for years now, and I've decided that I will be the anti-Matt Reigns. As a fellow Marylander like Reigns, I feel we need the balance in our great state. Sidgwick has his mega fans, but I will... But I will be the head honcho of the Hamlet Hero to Humans fan club. <laughs> I mean, wait a minute, wait, that's Triple H. Like, <laughs> we'll play Quirdle, eat yeah. Hot Pockets yes. and dry hamburgers. Yes. And dream about the beautiful face of Gunther all day long. You know, like Matt Reigns is like sort of an anti-tourist board uh, advertisement for Maryland. <laughs> like, I'm back in. Like, I, I've always wanted to go on the, uh, the bus tour of... Uh, Baltimore, mm-hmm. and stay on the bus because I'm scared of it. But uh, that's like that's all the more reason to go to Maryland. And they like obviously it's a hell of a platform to take as well to put that guy in his place. I'm not advocating that you go around find where he lives and beat him up. I'm not suggesting <laughs> that in a public platform. Uh, anyway, Jason continues. As Sidgwick isn't around this week, I thought a good starting point for the five star review review would be something we all know our hunk in chief loves. Who's <laughs> that? T- I'm looking behind <laughs> TNA. If there's something with a main event mafia that strikes your fancy or any other amazing storyline that you like to detail, I bow down to our great podcaster's choice. I've truly enjoyed all of your great banter over the years. As a fellow father of a special needs son, it means a lot to hear all the great work you do, Hamlet, to raise awareness for Down syndrome and to be the best father you can possibly can be. And as for you, Adam Wilborn, said in the best Vince Russo accent possible, I'll just say this. Hey, 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 you all right. Thank you again, gentlemen. Your daily podcast brings a joy and passion back to wrestling that I'd missed for years. Sincerely, Jason Fratto. Thank you so much for that, Jason. That's a lovely message. Thank you, Jason. Really appreciate that. Really appreciate any opportunity. You've drilled in, uh, obviously, one of my great loves is that, I would say, specifically pre-Hogan Bischoff ruining everything and taking all my dreams away, yeah. TNA. <laughs> um, it's great to talk about the uh, main event mafia. And we sort of are here. But 
oddly enough, you couldn't have timed this any better. Um, what was it? What was the, the the Triple H line again? It was the Hamlet. It was. I've got, I've got to get, it, get this right. The head honcho of the Hamlet Hero to Humans fan club. That fantastically alliterative title. I'm not going to repeat that. Will forgive me because I did tweet this just yesterday because it, the video happened to appear, or a, a version of this angle happened to appear. One of my very favourite main event mafia angles was, in fact, post-demise of the main event mafia because it's one of my very favourite uh, comedic wrestling tropes, mm. which is massive, dangerous, jacked guy doesn't realise that he's not in a storyline that he thinks he's in, <laughs> right? You've got Sean Stasiak th- like, constantly trying to attack The Rock and The Rock having no idea it's happening. And you've got... Scott Steiner in 2009, not realizing that the main event mafia isn't a thing anymore. <laughs> this phenomenon occurred. So the main event mafia had been this really big deal, headed up by Kurt Angle and Sting. Sting was babyface leaning, Kurt Angle was absolute out and out heel. And they joined up with Kevin Nash, Booker T, and Scott Steiner and Charmel. And they were running roughshod over the babyface front line of TNA. It was kind of a, you know, line in the sand, heels versus babyface, stable war sort of thing. But Sting, like, his anger was born out of genuine disrespect. There was the likes of the Motor City Machine Guns, who were young guys but didn't treat him with the respect he believed mm-hmm. he deserved. Kurt Angle played up to that and used it to abuse the power. So it, there was a nice dynamic there. Sting and Kurt Angle eventually came apart. The main event mafia was reshaped a little bit. He brought longtime rival Samoa Joe mm-hmm. in, who that. came in along with Taz. They had like their like security force. They became more of like a generic bully heel stable over time, um, and then gradually, as these things do, they kind of like uh, filtered off into new programs. There was various um, like contractual changes with some of the guys. I think Booker T he might have left around this time, but either way, like things were changing that before or after he had the uh, accent. Uh, after like that was that was peak main event mafia stuff. That's you know you've got the accent, you've got um, the main event mafia edition of Impact with Black Snow and Chet Lemon on the call. Oh yes, Scott Steiner playing ring announcer. There were some great moments in the main event mafia, but like the roots of it were potentially a little bit damaging because they did go over quite a lot. So the front line didn't really rise up and topple them much in the end. Mm. They kind of came away because they decided to. Factions just fall apart as they do. But brilliantly, nobody told Scott Steiner. <laughs> so it's coming to quite a. a Quite a big moment in TNA's history. It's late 2009, and um, the announcement has been made that Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff will be coming in in early 2010. TNA's had a good uh, second half of the 2000s, and it's had momentum, and it's had support, and acts have gotten over Mm -hmm. and stayed over, and naively perhaps, but with some optimism, the addition of Hulk Hogan was seen to be that, an addition. Mm -hmm rather than an absolutely disgusting subtraction and an addition of the likes of the Nasty Boys and Bubba the Love Sponge. It was instead <laughs> just a subtraction of loads of the things that you really, really liked in place of these losers. <laughs> so yeah, we find the main event mafia pretty much split up and going their own way. Um, Hulk Hogan coming in, and it kind of being one of them things where everybody's, it's, it's the hot topic, right? It's the, whatever was the past of TNA is the past because we're moving into the brave new future. Um, unless you've got Steiner. <laughs> So uh, Mick Foley is on the phone. He's walking backstage. He's got an eye patch on. Right, yeah. Did he do a pirate gimmick at this time? or He was selling, I cannot remember who, it was. somebody had tried to blind him, I think. I of can't course. remember who that was. So yes, uh, and throughout the time he's walking down this corridor, you can always hear Scott Steiner. He's just <laughs> yelling at this poor seamstress. And he's going, I'm main event mafia. You've got to fix this up. Hurry up. Foley comes in. He's like, Scott, can I just have a word? Does he call him Mitch here, first of yeah. all? Oh, yeah, he's Mitch Foley, yeah. <laughs> he says, Mitch, you believe this bimbo here? 
I wanted to make more main event mafia stuff, and she's got she's got wings over here, and she <laughs> picks up some wings, and they ironically go flying. Uh, and Foddy goes, well, Kurt kind of alluded to the fact there's no more main event mafia, and honestly. The, go and watch this, right? Shout out to Justin on Twitter mm. who shared this that we subsequently have watched it on and blah, blah, blah. I found the YouTube video for the comments and what have you, but this is the best acting performance of Scott Steiner's career. <laughs> Kurt kind of alludes to the fact there's no more main event mafia. Scott goes, Kurt said there's, there's no, he gets serious, he gets quiet. He's just the Michael Cole serious voice. Yeah. Kurt said there's, there's no more. Probably says, well, he didn't say, he alluded to it. Scott Steiner leaps on this like a dog on hot chips. But he didn't say it. <laughs> Foley. No, he didn't. He didn't say it! He celebrates like he scored a last-minute winner or something. There is an implication here that's not that tacit, that Scott Steiner doesn't know what alluded means and is choosing not to find out. Yeah. It's great. It's, it's just so great. He didn't say it! He turns back to the team just, See! The mafia lives! As long as I'm here, the mafia lives! Get, the your, ma- back, get your ass back on the sewing machine! The mafia lives. I popped so hard for that. The mafia lives. So like, they've broken up as a result of like being beaten and toppled as yeah. well. So like the thing he's fighting for and the thing he's holding on to is a long dead concept. It's, it's not the, even good. It's, st- it's still good, but yeah, with the main event mafia. Uh, so Foley then whispers, Scott, you, you, I never really worked with Hulk Hogan much. I don't know him that well, but I know you guys did in WCW. What can you tell me about the Hulk? The Hulk. The Hulk. Personally. Stanley goes, personally? He goes, Mick, I didn't date him. <laughs> Where did that, like... Nobody was thinking that, Scott. Amazing. Uh, I don't know anything about him personally, but as far as business goes, we were in the NWO, man. We were a band of thieves, and there was honor amongst thieves. Let me ask you something. <laughs> Who's the smartest guy you know? But he goes, that I know? And he goes, not that I know, <laughs> that you know. <laughs> Foley says a name. Yeah. But it's bleeped. This Gewertz? Was, well, this was bleeped at the time, right? So it was either Brian Gewertz or Vince McMahon because of what he credits next day. And he misspeaks here, and I watched I don't know it. if that's intentional or not. I don't know, because Foley was kind of a clown in this whole situation as well. He was gradually losing grip on everything. Or he had lost grip, and he picked it back up. That happened a lot in Impact. But, uh, yeah, so, like, this is all so knowingly silly. I'm not sure if the, like, the malprop here is by design. Yeah, he, sa- he says a name, but it's bleeped. And he says, that's the guy who came up with the Ron Simmons... What gimmick? Yeah, yeah, that's what he said. Remember when he used to say the four-letter word they used to say and print it on T-shirts? The what thing? Yeah, somebody would Damn. do. A, somebody would do a bit and then Ron Simmons would come for go. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. I think there's no way because he, say, he says it so confidently. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he says that's the smartest guy he knows. Steiner goes, "Well, times that by ten. <laughs> <laughs> Hogan is a master manipulator. I mean, he doesn't say manipulator, but yeah. we're not going to get into the weeds here." Uh, and I did like this. I wrote this line verbatim. I tell you what, these young punks have no idea the storm on the horizon for on their ass. <laughs> verbatim what he said. So we've had Steiner maths, now it's Steiner English. Yes. Uh, he says, uh, Foley says, one more thing. Who's he, who's he close with? If, I mean, if he would have come in, I mean, I've heard he's not coming alone. Who'd he bring with him? <laughs> Scott Steiner says, Mick. Who do I look like? Nostradamus? <laughs> I mean, he doesn't say Nostradamus. He gives up halfway through saying the th- word. But we get where he goes. What going a pull. And he says, uh, I can't see the future. I have no idea what you're talking about. Who said he was coming with somebody? And uh, so he, he just, he, he disbelief. Yeah. And Foley says one word. Mm-hmm. And Scott Steiner's <laughs> world crumbles around him. He goes, Kevin. Scott Steiner goes, right, I'm getting serious now. It's like Bono <laughs> taking the sunglasses off. He goes, Kevin. 
Kevin. I mean, if Kevin said that, it's got to be true. <laughs> he does not lie. <laughs> and in the midst of all this, Father's like, okay, fair enough. Thanks, mate. <laughs> this poor seamstress turns around and goes, Scott, Scott, do you want this done as is, like as you've given it to me? And he's like, get on with it. She goes, well, it's just there's only one F in half here. <laughs> Died. And he goes, well, you put the F where the sun don't shine. Just do it the way I put it. Get back to work. Come on, Jolene. I got people to beat up. <laughs> I mean, so this is brilliant, right? This is absolutely brilliant. I'll, I'll level with you, right? I hovered. You told me, pick something TNA, main event mafia, if you like. And I thought of this pretty much straight away. But there was a segment from a similar period that I thought about that I, I can't remember if we've done. And certainly we can go granular another day with it for another five-star review review. But Foley, at the time, basically meandered backstage trying to catch up on all the gossip was going on as if he couldn't access the internet. Yes. That's kind of his gimmick, right? So he would ask people for advice on Hogan and what was... Like, he's lost control in TNA, and it's like, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. TNA was the company that could do this. But because of this, it was like, well, now we're going to make you sit through this. And there was a segment right around this time where Foley was walking down a corridor, and I've, I've definitely shown this in the office before for, like, a list mm-hmm. or something. And somebody goes, come in. And he opens the door. And there's Ed Ferrara and your pal Vince Russo sat at a table. And Mick Foley says to them, guys, you're two of the most like, creative guys in the industry. I cannot, for the life of me, get a hold of Dixie Carter and <laughs> find out what's going on with Hogan, all this sort of stuff, right? <laughs> Can you write a vignette where I call Dixie and she answers? <laughs> what the hell? That is, like, similar to the buff bag well apart, like, that's carnage in terms of, like, narrative yeah. in, in a, on a wrestling show. But you couldn't... Impact was great because if you didn't have people with a willingness to do that, you probably wouldn't get Scott yeah. Steiner and Mick Foley doing, like, what tantamount to Saturday Night Live bit backstage where Steiner, the most dangerous man you know, is spelling mafia wrong. It, also, I, I'm going I'm to squeeze this in because it's part of this thread from... I'm going to read out his Twitter handle if we want to go and check He's a that. fantastic follow. At Justin underscore S of OK. Yeah. Just per, like perpetually on the TNA watch long. There's, there's not a single thread of his. That's a recent favorite of ours. The Hotel Bar. The Hotel Bar. Tom West turned on Mike tonight and just getting pissed down at the Hotel Bar. Uh, it's like TNA's best bits clipped. Uh, like uh, just timeless content on his timeline. So directly under this is a little 16 second clip. Mm-hmm. Scott Steiner. Christy Hemi. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he effectively threatens to beat up Bobby Lashley's son, Miles. Much like, as say, like the Judgment Day would with Dominic Mysterio. Exactly. Yeah. Except for the fact, <laughs> Christy Hemi goes, wait, Bobby's son, Miles, he's like two years old. <laughs> and he goes, no, <laughs> he's one and a half. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this off mic so you can you get the experience of this. I hope the mic picks this up. So he's, he's doing a promo down the lens. He goes, well, he's one and a half. That's what's great about me. I don't discriminate against age. I'll beat anybody up! <laughs> it's spectacular. It's great stuff. I have man. a newfound love, and I didn't think I could get any more in adoration for Scott Steiner, but this has really opened my eyes. When you go diving into the... Like YouTube comments, oh, like yeah. I'll be the one to confirm it for you. Like I'm the one wanking watching this. It's <laughs> because it's brilliant. Well, uh, we'll get to it. Oh God, it, I, there isn't actually. Oh, well, God. let me explain. Let me explain. Okay. Let me explain. Okay. 
So these do not reflect the views myself, the daddy boys. I'll cover off Sid yeah, as well. Yeah, I think you'd like that probably. Yeah. <laughs> or anyone here at What Culture Wrestling. Uh, a few of them, you know, it's not going to be too revelatory, these comments, mm-hmm. or too pervy. Everyone. Uh, CM Bell <laughs> writes, well, he's a math genius, not a spelling genius. So mm-hmm. makes sense. What, two Fs in math, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people arguing that if Steiner says there's two Fs in Mafia, there's two Fs in Mafia. Do you think all along it's Steiner Maths and it's M A F S? Master 5150 mm-hmm. writes, well, Scott Steiner wasn't wrong about uh, Hogan being a master manipulator. The dude went on to form one of the most fearsome, dominant, devastating factions in professional wrestling history. Immortal. Ah, I nailed it. HBK the man mm-hmm. writes... Scott reminds me of Eric Cartman sometimes, which is something I now cannot unhear. Yeah. I'll kick you in the nuts. <laughs> I can imagine him, like, inheriting a massive fortune and opening Steinerland, whereas <laughs> it's the part that nobody else can attend. Him licking someone else's tears is something I can definitely yeah. see as well. Oh, let me take your, take your tears, Mitch. Uh, bit of a depressing one, this. Oh. But uh, you, we talked about it in the beginning of, like, this was... The calm before the storm, as, yeah. as Steiner alluded to. Rob Kearsey writes, yeah, the storm on the horizon was, <clears throat> bit of a, a long one, this, trying to recreate WCW, drive fans away, Victory Road 2011, tried to redo Starcade 97 with Hogan and Sting, aces and eights, no more Scott Steiner on TV, AJ Styles leaving, Jeff Jarrett leaving, Bobby Roode leaving, Chris Saban being released, Sting leaving, Joe leaving, Daniels being released, Dixie's tart not being able to t- t- pay talent, and now they're on the verge of collapse. Jesus Christ, man. That's just a small history of... Everything's just got like slow motion and black oh, and white. It's horrible. You want to live through it in such a quick list like that? Where did Chris Saban go, man. Well, he's, and he's like there now yeah. again, having like a match of the year candidate because he's like just this ageless pro wrestling genius. So a little bit of a sneak peek into where the comments then go. Max A, like I know we say this every week, but look somewhere else. <laughs> oh no, Max writes. Anyone know the full name of the sewing girl? Get out! She's like, get out! <laughs> who's uh, who's that woman in the background there? What we got going on? I like this is hardly uploaded in 4K HD, is no, it? Like, it's just you, a woman. You know, right? I, I'm not mega proud to admit this, but we're all young once. On the um, on our like in the UK on our Sky Television service, um, yeah, there was German channels that had uh, WCW on, right? So I would watch a lot of my WCW in German. I don't know how I discovered this, other than teenagers will find a way. But on the German channel's teletext, you could find rude teletext. Yeah, yeah, Neon-coloured, pixelated, nude ladies. <laughs> so I'm not sitting here as somebody judging that specifically. But as you've just pointed out, it's not 1997 anymore with primitive television. Nope. You are one tab away from anything your heart desires, unless apparently your heart desires the six-second clip of a extra working to do a gag with Scott Steiner in the background. And he's like, oh, maybe they used a shoot name, so Jolene or Jolene TNA <laughs> sewing <Seems> girl. <laughs> Final comment. Uh, it relates to the Christy Hemi clip. So, yeah, buckle up. Oh. Um Christy Hemming's just interviewing Scott Steiner. She's just stood there and she just says, Miles is two. Yeah. And yet, in that time, Francis has seen this clip and gone, yeah, I need to share this with the world. He's just, not like the views myself, Dad Boys, What Culture Wrestling. 
simply writes, Christy Hemi, tongue punch in the fart box comes to mind. <laughs> no, man, no. Always one. Does it come to mind? Does it? Yeah, you know, it comes to mind. You know my. Uh, That's one of my favourite phrases. My parents never ever stopped me watching wrestling. I know this was a Thank strange God, that's phenomenon. That's what you said following that. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, strange phenomenon of like parents like sometimes seeing the attitude era or mm. whatever. Uh, except for one time, uh, you remember that promo where the warrior had been cursed and the goo came. From the <laughs> yes. Was, warriors, warriors, and he left me mm. and Jean alone on the on the podium, and I like. Couldn't believe it. I'd seen a curse take place on mm. my, my favorite wrestler, and I turned to my mum and dad, and me and Jean just stood there shocked like the wrestlers. And I said, "Mum, Dad, I'd uh, love to tongue punch his fart box." <laughs> uh, right. Thank you once again to Jason Fratto for that five star review. Jason. Review. Uh, if you want to suggest something not necessarily crap, but something short and wrestling related for us to review instead of. Well, I normally would say a god-awful Raw segment. That apparently isn't going to be the case going forward. Maybe something we don't have to watch in its entirety on Raw. Do you know what I think is going to happen, right? We know they're listening. Like, hi, Triple H. We really like Raw last night. Well done. Hair ruffler for you. Mm -hmm. um, I predict next week he does the old Paul Heyman, Dawn Marie, Al Wilson trick and put something in there specifically Just to be skipped for the benefit yeah. of our podcast because he likes to he likes to reminisce and go back as well. Indeed. So, yeah. Uh, right, so yeah, we had the Alexa Bliss Asuka match, which was quite enjoyable for the brief time yeah. it, we had it. Bailey, Kai, and Sky attack DQ, no contest, whatever you want to call it, and uh, oh, just the glimpse of EO oh, EO Sky. Yeah. I've done that twice already today. I did it. It's the all right. It'll come quick enough. Yeah, of Sky setting up for that moonsault of hers, but with a steel chair on the top rope. Yep. Don't tease me with stuff like that. Get the bin out. Belair runs down to chase them all off before they can do it, though, and mm. demands a match with any of them, which is set up for later. It's going to be her versus EO Sky. Yes, please. Oh, my God. Uh, time for the uh, other triple threat match now. Uh, it was uh, Chad Gable. Uh, thank you! <laughs> Dolph Ziggler and Champa and Chad Gable. Quite rightly, this is another thing that should remain. It already did happen before mm -hmm. the Triple H era, but it needs to be a staple. Chad Gable should never come to the ring without cutting a promo. Quite right. He comes out, shoes, please, shoes, fucking shoes. <laughs> yeah, it's TV 14, man. That's it, yeah. Uh, and he said, I'm going to win this match. I'm going to beat that ignoramus AJ Styles. I'm going to put this country on my back again. I'm a real winner, not a cheater like the Houston Astros. <laughs> it always gets him every time the American audience. Wait a minute, that's our team. <laughs> um, and yeah, the story of this match was, Dolph Ziggler's the baby face fighting from underneath against these two gits who do the age-old staple that I never get tired of, mm. of, right, we're going to beat this sh this guy, <laughs> and then I'm going to pin him. Well, no, then I'm going to pin him. No, I'm going to pin him. No, you're not going to pin him. That's basically what happened. This is the one thing we didn't want to happen. I love it. Never come, never, they never once think about it, do they? Also, there was a bit where, that happens early on, yeah. you know, the numbers game. Gable puts Ziggler in an ankle lock. Champa puts him in a cross face. Gable's like, 
get off him. I'm submitting him. What would have happened if he'd have tapped out? Would the referee have gone, now you've tapped out there, yeah. but which move hurt the most? This has actually happened before, hasn't it? Like yeah. There's been matches like this where they've had to like throw things out or it's disputed or it takes place next week. I loved that it was as if like Gable's done his homework and I thought, well, this, this can't do. Yeah. This can't happen. Loved it. Uh, Champo starts going at it with Gable, hits gives him with a leg lariat. He hits Ziggler with an air raid crash off the middle rope. Oh, that looked lovely. Mm-hmm. Gable breaks up the cover with a diving headbutt. Gable gives Champa a German suplex, but at the same time, Ziggler hits Gable with a zigzag. So that's both matches now where all three men have been involved in a single maneuver. Yep. And I loved it. <laughs> uh, they trade cradles, they trade counters. Champa hits that. It's just vicious for, in WWE's eyes, a little guy. Mm hmm. My God, Champa's knee strike makes me get a headache. There was another good one on this. Like, Bailey, one Bailey flinging that one at Alexa oh, Bliss. Oh, yeah, I thought you meant yeah. there was another good Champa one to come later. Mm. But anyway, he hits Gable with a knee strike. Fairy tale ending, one, two, three. Champa will face Styles, and the winner of that obviously faces Lashley. Another great triple threat, I thought. Yeah, really strong stuff that, yet again, was kind of on the verge of becoming something really quite special. But I understand why they didn't go beyond what they already did. The two big takeaways here were... You will be in a better mood with good wrestling if the rest of the shows put you in a good mood. And I, I was way higher on this than I might have been in previous weeks because, of course, the roster's always got this in the locker, you know, and occasionally they're out there, let off the leash and allowed to do it. But you're in such a better mood with it when it, within the context of a show that you're enjoying. And I was really enjoying this role, so I really enjoyed this too. I'd been told that this mattered. The wrestlers made it look as if it mattered. And interestingly, I thought here as well, Dolph Ziggler, like, getting on the card as the utility babyface on a night where theory doesn't even appear was, not for the first time this year, kind of a showing of, like, and I would have never thought this, Triple H especially, seeming to have, like, an awful lot of respect for what he brings. You Mm -hmm. have to assume he had something to do with him being the guy that was the Brom Breaker, setter upper, and and it just sort of feels like... I wouldn't have ever imagined that they would have still had time for Dolph Ziggler, but... I guess he just appreciates, like, there's utility guys in the business for a reason, and he must appreciate that about him, because he could have picked, like, a lot. Of, like, if you look at Ali getting in the first match, you're thinking, well, there's probably a lot of people gasping for an opportunity, and you've chosen Dolph Ziggler. And there's an opportunity in, in both matches, maybe less so in the opener, in the, the first of the triple mm. threat, sorry, but there is an opportunity for shenanigans. I know there was shenanigans in the actual, you know, qualifying match between Styles and, and Champa. Mm-hmm. But in, you could argue, yeah, that Dolph Ziggler could have been affected by theory. Chad Gable could have had Otis out there doing yep. stuff for him. Champ could have had Miz, although I did like the mm-hmm. thing later. But yeah, they just keep it simple. Speaking of which, actually, that was followed by an Edge promo that was just like, there we go. Mm. Don't need any silly language. You don't need any bollocks. You just have Edge come out and be Edge. And he's great. It was, I know, like you're probably about to recap it. This was. Like, very, very subtly apologetic without making him look weak, wasn't it? To be fair, to be fair, he says, for the past few months, I've been a bit of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> but all Happens that... Ch- us all. We yeah. all go through those stages in life. All that changes now. We both get what we want. So, yeah. there you go. Big ovation for Edge as he came out, of course. Uh, and he's, again, he doesn't just sort of fob it off. Like you say, he just say, eh, it was a bit weird, me mm. just calling people sheeple and blah, blah, blah. But he said, look, the reason why I did it, there was a reason was I thought I could pass my 30-year knowledge on to the likes of Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley. And it really started we were, like we were, got, we were getting on a roll. We are just getting started. 
but then their first taste of power clouded their judgment. They thought they learned all that they could. They were wrong, but I didn't see it coming when Finn Balor kind of got one over on me. And I admit that's that's a rare rarity, but fair play. But now it's the time to kill what I created. He's going to kill his creation. And he said, I'm going to kill Judgment Day. Well, it's the Judgment Day. Hello, <laughs> next time, Adam. Uh, I love this. Simple, straightforward. I want to kill my own creation. And like a good retcon for what has been a gaping plot hole for ages. Like him saying, like, obviously they thought after we were just getting it together that they'd, they'd got everything they were going to get from me. That is the best possible explanation of the ludicrous circumstances surrounding this group. One win with Edge. Other Finn Balor, no less. And the Thickos have gone, we need the guy that got beat. Like, no, but I, I this, this was a fix. It was justified, as I said at the time, I thought, because I thought they, they would be like, well, every time we win, we had to get involved in it so that you could win it. You're an old guy and you've kind of told us everything. Yeah, that, yeah that's true. But... I get it. It, it wasn't perfect. This, this was as good a fix as you could have possibly had. Um, speaking of people related to the Judgment Day, Ray and Dominic Mysterio are backstage. They're into. Oh, hang on. They're interviewed by. Uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't Sarah Schreiber. It was uh, Kevin Patrick. Uh, and Race. And he was tongue punching a dirt box. <laughs> it was Ray was uh, tongue punched me dirt box. <laughs> Ray said they're done with the Judgment Day. Now they're gonna. Uh, they're going to have to deal with Edge, Judgment Day, that is. Um, and he said, oh, Edge's family. We won the tag team titles together. And tonight's all about one thing. We're going to beat the Usos. We're going to become the champions in Houston. And they do that little catchphrase of theirs. But this time, Dominic says the last bit. Mm -hmm. He's growing his hair out to look like his real dad. Like, he's there going, oh, yeah, we're his family. And, and we won the tag team titles. And Dominic, just for a split sec, I know I'm reaching, maybe. For a split second, goes like, we are family, and we were the tag team champions as well. Are you and after what happened in the main event, well, maybe it's happening. Yeah, I'm not sure you are reaching. Um, and him wanting the last word, very literally in this case, was another nice detail. Like, it's hard. Are we getting mullet law, by the way? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that, that's being grown as part of an eventual... Like, they're going to make an I'm Your... No one actively chooses that haircut. Nah, God, no. Um, they're going to make That's an I'm... from me. You know an I'm Your Pappy t-shirt? Like the one Rio wore last week, the, the famous Eddie Guerrero one. They're going to make one that says, he's my pappy. And it's oh. Dominic wearing it to Neg Ray, basically. Um, look, the, it is really hard to book epic, all-time, fantastic pro wrestling. It's piss easy to book good wrestling. Yes. This was this. Uh, Bailey gets interviewed by Sarah Schreiber and uh, Bailey and her buddies. <laughs> uh, she says, All these uh, idiots talking about the women's division have been on a downward spiral since I left. So I've reached out to two women who've been waiting far too long for their moment. Dakota Kai says, We know how to play the game. Oh, wait a second, Dakota. Does that mean. It's time to play the game! Do you think she uh, scrolled through the uh, doo website to look for a woman she could call to try and get a job back? It's time to play the game. Bailey. <laughs> a nice touch, that, though. And yep. uh, and EO Sky sh says she'll see Belair out in the ring. Explanation of why they're together? Complete sense. We're getting, is it a Control? It's probably going to be the name as yes. well. Felt like that was getting teased quite a lot tonight. Although when Bailey tweeted it and then Braun Strowman subtweeted your narrative afterwards. Oh, my God. Don't ruin it. Yeah, go away. <laughs> 
Um, and then we got uh, Bianca Belair versus EO Sky. We saw Omos in the flesh, and then we saw you the next day, and we didn't think as much about you anymore. You failed our airport test. Control that narrative. Um, <laughs> and a minute into the match, EO Sky hits a, a Sai Moon Salt, and I go, <sighs> there it is. Yeah. Really great. Triple H here. Oh, yeah. It's really great. Like, loads of, this, loads of the work. This went a long time. Loads of the work, and this was really good. <laughs> Uh, so Belair takes control when we come back from the break. Uh, down come Bailey and Dakota Kai to, to give a bit of distraction. That allows Sky to recover and hit a top rope Hurricane Rana. Uh, slips out of a KOD, tries to dive off the apron, but Belair is just ridiculously strong, just catches a hold yep. her there and then swings her into the barricade. Uh, then Belair goes to throw Sky back in the ring, but Bailey and Kai just sit on the apron in her way and uh, the ref just stands there and yells at them. <laughs> they don't do anything, but out comes Asuka and Alexa Bliss, remember from earlier, mm-hmm. to even the odds and get him to piss off so the match can continue. Go to another break. When we come back, Belair hits a superplex and a standing moonsault for two. Sky fights back with a double foot stomp and a running knee strike in the corner. Just nice to see that on the main roster yep. from EO Sky. Belair. <laughs> uh, Corey Graves did this, by the way. Yeah. So you're not alone. Belair hits a spine buster, but Sky gets her knees up on that handspring moonsault that Belair does. Uh, and then as Belair hits the ropes, Bailey trips her. Sky's got the referee, so the ref doesn't see it. Sky also then tries to cover with her feet on the ropes, but Bliss on the other side knocks him off. And then all of a sudden it breaks down, and Bliss and Asuka jump in, and they brawl with Dakota Kai and Bailey, and it all just gets thrown out, basically. Uh, they keep brawling until officials have to separate them. There's even a let them fight champ, because this isn't just a groan. Oh. Because. Again, I'm not happy about DQs, and I'm especially not happy about, like, here's a little bit of this, but mm-hmm. we're not going to give you the finish. But, yeah, you've come down, you've gone, we're here to make sure you don't piss about. And then the one time that the baby faces go, don't put your feet on the ropes. Yeah. They go, right, that's it, we've got to get in the ring. <laughs> like, as a heel mentality, that makes complete sense. Yeah, I think, like, it's probably... It's more generous with WWE than we would ever be with AEW, but like these are absolutely case by case. This sort of this sort of finish, they did want to have the cake and eat it too by giving you what a find of fifteen minutes of a pretty great yeah, match. We can't even we can't even say this was the tease of what Belair and like Eos Sky could do. They did it. Yes. the match happened bar the finish pretty much, um, and it was great. It was really good, and there was the you were kind of sold down the river because you're watching it with the tension of wow somebody's going to this is a big result here. Because Sky needs this win. But Bianca Belair has just had the biggest win of her career two nights earlier. So, how, like, who wins here? And they get out of it. And you're like, ah, oh, I wish they hadn't got out of it. But I'm with you, actually. And I think the fans were, hence the let them fight chant. And, they're, like, you've got to pick up the context clues sometimes from a, a finish like this. And, again, this is a lot of giving the benefit of the doubt to Triple H. But there's always going to be these finishes in WWE. It's a way they choose to like to tell stories. And it becomes about limiting them to when it feels earned rather than just doing it because it's cheap and it's lazy. If in three weeks they're building um, a raw main event, right? Let's say Clash at the Castle is going to be Bailey and Bianca Belair, right? And if in three weeks they're building a raw main event, go home raw, it's going to be for the first time on Monday Night Raw ever, Bianca Belair versus Dakota Kai. Big main event, Dakota Kai's there to soften up Bianca Belair for Bailey, and like that's thrown out and it's the main event. Then it's probably time to go. Well, you're just as bad as your old man. Yes. What are you like? This is this is different. And yeah, the pull apart was great. And just honestly, it's not. They've done well weirder things than this. Three weeks ago, like if this is all happening, 
which he wouldn't have done because Vince McMahon didn't like the Bailey Stable idea. That's out there. But if this was all happening, Alexa Bliss and Asuka were just there just because. Mm. Not because something was set up earlier in the night or a reason for them to coexist for the benefit of this greater good, the situation that, well, hang on, they beat us up earlier on. So it stands, and she saved us. So it stands to reason that yeah, we, yeah, we, yeah. You know, we pay them back. This isn't even... And, like, I loved all those wrestlers, but this isn't even the NXT, hey, we're calling a bunch of you up. You're all in trios now. Suck <laughs> it up. This isn't that. There is a justification for the reason why all of these have come together. And even if it's, like, we know what's going on here. You've created drama in the division by just basically, like, it's just it's inserting six women into a bunch of individual singles and tags. Mm-hmm. It's an org- They've done it the organic way. They've gone the right way about doing it. And this is before you've explored... Um, the narrative potential of reintroducing Rhea Ripley and what a cool spot she had later on in the show. Um, Carmella and... What was the name of Carmella's partner? Queen That was it. And uh, the potential return, as you've sort of posited, of Sasha oh, and Naomi. Yeah. Like, they are not yet at full capacity. Like, uh, Nikki Ash has got that partner. Who's she got? Yeah, Who, the two of them were supposed to be getting serious and it just hasn't happened. But turns out that... The, the like I'm going to keep saying this because I think it's about time that we just make it real. The best North American women's wrestling booker ever can probably fix mm-hmm. that, yeah, and can probably fix it for those two too. Like if you're a woman right now on this roster for the first time in Christ forever, <laughs> like literally forever, you're probably like looking at the situation, looking at the lay of land, thinking, "Hang on, is this is this a good place to work now?" <laughs> I think Nikki Ash is going to cut the seven promo. Yeah. Oh, you could take a good long look at all this crap they got me dressing <laughs> up here. <laughs> the mask off. I'm going to go back to being mint at wrestling. Oh, superhero. Um, <laughs> do drop at the same time. And what the fuck's a do drop? <laughs> Aye. Do it. Uh, right. Kevin Patrick goes and interviews Miz. <laughs> Kevin Patrick goes and interviews Miz and Champa. Um, and uh, Miz says, yes, and this isn't a playground for YouTubers. Uh, I was cheating at SummerSlam. I blame AJ Styles. Uh, and Champa said he used to respect Styles and his, his path to WWE, but Styles chose to support a man who made a mockery of their home, and now he's going to crush Styles' US title dreams. And uh, Miz says, yeah. I mean, he didn't really help me much later, but uh, earlier on, sorry, but he's going to become a champion under my tutelage. Great fundamentals. Brilliant. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to that later, because, like, we... Uh, you know, a lot of it is obviously saved for the preview stuff. But the cool thing about actually setting stuff up means that you can talk about it as it's happened as well as looking forward to it the following week. Mm. Imagine that. And we're not here next week because next Monday's my birthday. Oh, yeah. We're going away together. Me and you are going on holiday, aren't we? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Is, that, is, is your wife going to join my wife and take my kids away for a week? <laughs> because I'm supposed to be off all of next week to go on an actual holiday, but I might sign off on this agreement if it means that me and you were just going out on the drink for your birthday. So. Yes. Um, we can take the like the dual dog houses for one very good night. I just love the idea of, on the one hand, you've got next week. Cause I'm going to talk about it now because we ain't going to have a chance to preview it. It's gonna I'm solo sycamore. I've got next. Yeah. Week off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you either potentially get Champa becoming United States champion. Yeah. Which is bad for Bobby Lashley, but potentially could free him up for a world title thing. So, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, but great for Champa. Mm. Or... Miz costs Champa and starts beating the crap out of him when they're in Cleveland. And if only there was someone there who's got a history from Cleveland with Champa. Can you imagine Murray on the Raw review? Like, sigh of relief that he's not going to AEW. 
Like it's a, it's a like two big I wins. I love Gargano. Two big. Wins. I love him. As well. I think he'd be amazing anyway. Literally but. one half of my favorite wrestling match of all time. I do really like this booking, and I like it even more if he brings Candice LeRae with him because if only there was a bunch of women suddenly on the Raw roster that oh. she could have bangers with. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't do this spiteful thing of putting on separate rosters because that gets gone now. Yes. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Might, things might be a bit better. Yeah. People get one final beat on the main. Oh, don't. No, we ruined it. No. And it's gone. <laughs> so, uh, spoiler alert, yeah, Champa Beat Styles, that was next. Uh, we had Booker T on commentary, got a nice ovation from the hometown crowd, of course. Um, these two just worked brilliantly together as well. Styles is in control, Champa counters the Styles clash and just just starts battering him and hits him <laughs> with a leg lariat for a two. Uh, again, Champa counters the Styles clash, but then Styles suplexes him into the turnbuckles. He, uh, he goes for the phenomenal forearm, but oh, this high knee strike that just comes out of nowhere from Champa. Takes his head off. That gets a near fall. Project Champa, another two count. He sets up for an air raid crash, but Styles counters into a Styles clash. And Styles has got it won, but Miz puts Champa's foot on the bottom rope for a rope break. Mm-hmm. Um, Styles, furious at this, chucks Miz into the timekeeper's area, but Champa's recovered. He follows Styles out there. He drives him into the ring post, uh, Champa does to Styles, and then chucks him into the timekeeper's area. Dives back into the ring. He'll take the win, but whatever mate comes. And Styles is trying to get out of the time cubes area. But Miz is there grabbing onto his foot. Ref can't see it, obviously. Styles gets him off, dives back in just to beat the 10 count, and then gets absolutely nailed with a fairy tale ending uh, after a knee strike that just, again, rattled his brain. One, two, three. Tommaso Ciampa is the new number one contender for the U.S. title. A good match with a great finish. Yes. Um, an absolutely fantastic finish. So the Miz hiding, like that shot that we got of the Miz hiding and the referee not being thick for a change because you, c- you can't see. You mm. cannot see the Miz, but we can. And it's that perfect pantomime. It's like he's behind you, you know, like we can all scream as loud as we want, but the referee cannot see it, so he cannot call what he yeah. can't see. Brilliant. But then the fact that that's not the finish and the Champa gets it done on his own, yes, he's a heel and yes, he'll take the help. But as it turns out, he maybe didn't need it. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I talk about this quite a lot. Plausible deniability, like heels, baby faces. They all have to believe it's real. The heels have to believe that what they're doing, even if it looks fundamentally wrong, there is a reason that they feel justified in doing mm-hmm. so. As the Miz will do, if, as you potentially suggested, he turns on him next week because of that little neggy comment he made. Well, he didn't help me at SummerSlam, did you? And I helped you. So we're not exactly even here, are we? Like, I've, you've kind of got an away goal in Europe out of me, and uh, <laughs> I got nothing. I got Jack. Like, where were you for me in the first triple threat of the night? All this sort of, like, the Miz has got all these things. Yep, yep, if, yep. There's one, if there's one guy that remembers what goes on in his career, it's the <laughs> Miz, right? So he'll have that all lined up and ready to go. Champa will be, like, if Champa does lose to Bobby Lashley, it won't be a credibility buster because he won't have seen the Miz's treachery coming. That match should be great. It's brand new. It's fresh. There's a good chance that based on, like, the meat they put into it in the show that this goes on as the main event next week. I agree. So that's going to be like an elevated stage for Champa. Wins all over. This is re- like a, a good match, but I mean, AJ Styles and Champa kind of do that in their sleep. The finish was what mattered here and it was tremendous. And as we alluded to on the preview, Lashley seemingly to suggest uh, he's going to defend the title, uh, US title all the time, anytime, any place sort of thing. Yeah. Like he said, and he puts over Champa. He says he knows he's dangerous, especially with Miz by his side, but he's still going to put him in a hurt lock and win. Uh, and then just before the main event, we saw the footage of Brock Lesnar climbing up that, <laughs> climbing up Mount Wrestling Ring yeah. to uh, to salute the crowd, which was just a fantastic image. And then Mount was, Everestling. Very good. There you go. Main event, it was the Mysterios versus the Usos for the Undisputed Tag Team Championships. Uh, Dominic takes out the Usos with a dive to take us to a break very early on into this match. Uh, when we come back... Kilimanjaro, Munreins. 
Uso's workover raid when we come back. And he finally makes a hot tag to Dominic. Neck, broker, neck breakers to both Uso's. Uh, but Jimmy avoids a 619. And uh, the Uso's then catch Dominic on a six one uh, on a dive attempt. Send him into the ring post. That takes us to another break. Again, after that, Ray gets the hot tag. But Jay super kicks him out of midair uh, for a two count. He counters the 1D, does Ray, before tagging in Dominic, and they give a 619, double 619 to Jimmy. Dominic hits the frog splash, and Jay, at the very last second, the crowd thought this was a title change. Me too. Me too. Jay, Jay dives in, breaks up the cover, uh, and then Jay super kicks Ray outside the ring. Dominic takes him out with a dive. Dominic fights with Jimmy on the top rope, sets him up with a 619, for a 619, sorry. Jay makes a blind tag, and they hit him for the 1D for the one and done. We the ones, the Usos, still the tag team champions. And then post-match, in come the Judgment Day. Um, they attack the Mysterios. Rhea Ripley chokes out Dominic Mysterio. Incredible, incredible scenes, this was. Incredible simping on the internet I've seen after this as well. <laughs> Never seen so many people want to be Dominic Mysterio in that moment. Edge runs out, though, to make the save. He hits Priest with a DDT, sets up Bala for a spear. But at the last second, Ripley Pushes Dominic in front of Bala. Edge spears the life out of Dominic Mysterio. The Judgment Day bail and Ray and the medics check on Dom as we go off the air. And, oh, just a phenomenal conclusion to this show. Wicked match. That had absolutely no right to be as good as it was. Mm. I completely bit on that near fall. Dragged, kicking and screaming into the drama of this in a way that, being truthful, I didn't get out of the Street Profits and the Usos at SummerSlam. Like, that's how... Like captured, I was by the story in the moment. The crowd were mega up for it. I genuinely believe, you know, and like this isn't going to be borne out every single week. But I honestly, like most people, if you look online, even the reaction is the same. A lot of people had a really good time with this show, and it helps everything else. It does. It, it elevates everything else. You know, it's like hot openers being like the perfect start to a good pay per view and putting you in a good mood. This main event was better as a result of this show being good, you'd have had like two hours, two and a half hours of just the usual Monday Night Raw nonsense and you're tired and you're getting a bit bored and you know what it's like when you're at these tapings and wrestlers got to stand in the ring for ages like idiots. Um, who knows what this, how this match would have been received and if the virtually impossible would have suddenly been made real by a good two count. And I, th- like, I think this was a total over-delivery of a main event and one will maybe even remember a little mm. bit. Like, especially if this is to be the big the big sort of flashpoint moment in the Mysterio story, which it mm-hmm. felt like it was. Um, I mean, we would know that because we've said all along when the actual turn is going to happen. The spear... Don't say it now. No, not now. Why would we bother? It's out on plenty of other podcasts. <laughs> the spear, right? It's really hard to make the... To do the R spade by accident because you've got a pretty long run-up. <laughs> like... Got you definitely got that hair out of your face. You always used to make sure that was... Exactly. He hasn't right. got it now. It's not even in his eyes, is it? So it's a hard sell, and yet I kind of bought it, and the impact looked amazing, and it, it had to like look amazing. Gore. It did, right? And it had to look amazing, because the whole show was going to go off the air with Rey Mysterio, my son, my son. So imagine if like it was one of them limp-running hooks, and then he'd be like, my son, and he says, all right, Dad, I'm fine. Like yeah. it had to, <laughs> These things had to all come together the way they did for any of this to register. It all registered. Like, a hot ending. Yeah. Hot end into a, a very different Monday Night Raw. Like, long, genuinely. I'm excited for the future. Genuinely, long may this continue because, basically, I'm scared it won't. So, like, give six months and let's see how this goes. And, like, if the stock plummets and it turns out Vince McMahon's illogical, mind-bending, ludicrous claptrap was what made money 
then maybe we'll all just have to concede and go back to making sure that these billionaires stay billionaires. But in the meantime, I just wouldn't mind a nice wrestling show. Thanks mm. very much. Times are changing. Let us know your thoughts on Monday Night Raw on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Uh, watch, they can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at... Michael Hamflit. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. And if you want a five-star review review, you can leave one, uh, just like Jason Fratto did. Uh, leave it on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review on there. Suggest something short, crap, and wrestling-related for us to review instead of something on Monday Night Raw. Or you can leave us a five-star review on Spotify and email me your review, adam.wilborn at whatculture.com. But for now, this has been the Raw Review. We'll be back later with the NXT 2 preview. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.